0: Uh, some people may wonder why is it that we have so many different opinions within the history of the scholarship of our deen when, you know, perhaps we can just simply quote unquote go straight to the Quran and Sunnah when in reality that's what Imam Abu Hanifa was relying on. The Quran and Sunnah. That's what Imam Malik was relying on the Quran and Sunnah. That's what Imam Shafi'i was relying on the Quran and Sunnah. That's what Imam Ahmad was relying on the Quran and Sunnah. And one simple way for us to understand even then why there are different opinions, if somebody were to hold up a book, for example, and let's say there were people surrounding them in a circle, if they were to hold up a book from one angle, someone may say that, you know, the way they would describe that book is it's white, because what they're seeing are the the side that only shows the white pages. That's true. Another person may say, what I see from the spine, it's, it's this color and I see these words on it. That's true. Someone who sees the back, they may say that, I don't see any writing, it's only this color. That's also true. And someone who sees the front may describe what the front looks like in detail. That's also true. So all of these things are true and accurate at the same time. Just because the perspective is a little bit different, what one is saying doesn't mean the other is necessarily wrong. It's just a different perspective. And the way they got to their conclusions may have been slightly different. A basic example, when you look at Imam Malik, uh, the the weight that he gave to the actions of the people of Medina was very heavy, was very heavy. Because even if somebody showed up with a solitary hadith that was narrated, even if it's considered authentic, one person from one person from one person, even if that is valid, his perspective was, I would rather take from a thousand who took from a thousand as opposed to one who took from one. Meaning, if there's a contradiction and I'm looking at what the grandchildren of the Sahaba are doing in the city of Medina, which was a, which was a center of learning, Right from the time of the Prophet, and this is not that long afterwards. Right, This is a few decades afterwards, not like a thousand years, for example. So from his perspective, he's like, look, I'm not just looking at what the grandchildren of the Sahaba are doing, the companions are doing, but also there's this really solid, you know, fortified, bolstered tradition of scholarship here. So that means a lot to me. Because if there was something that was really important, then it would be preserved. So for him, based on his usul, the, the fundamental tools that he's working with, for him that mattered a lot. He gave a lot of weight to it. What's interesting, Imam al-Shafi'i studied with Imam Malik for many years. Even then he ended up with his own tools, you could say. And he respected that, but he respectfully, he always maintained respect for his sheikh, for his teacher, Imam Malik. And even if he had a different opinion, he would still acknowledge that, you know, my teacher, he had this opinion, but this is where I differ and this is why he never compromised his akhlaq, he never compromised his adab, his manners. He respected, okay, this is, for example, that's chocolate, that's fine, but this is vanilla, this is why, in this case, I prefer vanilla. For example, and Imam al-Shafi'i said that all of us were dependent on, on Imam Abu Hanifa in fiqh you find this, this constant, you know, the, 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 this constant, uh, uh, like, revolving, you know how there's a revolving door, it's like revolving adab among, among the imams, among the scholars. There was so much love and compassion and respect that they had for each other. Some even said that, you know, Imam Shafi died at a relatively young age. Had he lived, you know, a few decades longer, maybe there would be no other madhab. And this is said out of respect to him, because he, he was so bright and intelligent. As a kid, when he joined Imam Malik's halaqah, he he was he was so poor, son of a single mother. He grew up as an orphan, and he didn't have writing utensils. He didn't have like you know anything to write on or any or anything to write with. So he had like a piece of straw, and he would take notes on his hand. Now, obviously, nothing is actually being written down, but he's just going through the motion, and that would help him. He had this amazing photographic memory. So Imam Malik he notices you know this kid doing this, so he asks him. After the halaqa to come to the front, like, what are you doing? He said, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes. He said, really? Okay, so, so, so tell me, you know, what we talked about. And Imam al-Shafi, as a kid, repeated to him everything that they covered in the halaqa. SubhanAllah, so, so it was well preserved. The point is, just because there are different perspectives regarding the same issue or different issues, it should never result in anybody compromising their character. It should never result in somebody compromising their manners. Even if they follow a different valid opinion, they can respectfully follow that opinion. And if someone follows a different opinion, alhamdulillah. It's, it's, it's all good. Provided these are different valid opinions, alhamdulillah. You have different ways of praying with you. have For some people, they raise their hands before they go into rukur. And some people don't. There's a hadith that clearly indicates the Prophet did that. Well, the Hanafi scholars, they say, okay, we know that. But... This is where we're coming from. We believe that at the end of the Prophet's life, he was no longer doing that. And this is why we believe that. So what do you do? You have this perspective. Wow, that's very convincing. There's another perspective that's also very convincing. At the end of the day, for us, right on a day-to-day practical level, we should respect each other. So even if someone does not raise their hands before going to the and the person next to them when praying does, one should not go and lecture the other after the prayer. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, it's all good. There are different perspectives regarding the same analogy of the book, but what's mandatory is we have to maintain that love and respect for each other. This is a fundamental Qur'anic concept. بَيْنَهُمْ If we really want to be like the Sahaba, then there should be... They had different opinions too regarding Asr and the story of Banu Quraydah, even regarding Qadr, Sayyidina Umar, and you had the, the, the plague and that conversation with Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah. These are two of the ten greatest Sahaba. And Abu Ubaidah asked him, are you turning away? Because when when Sayyidina Umar found out that there's this plague over there, so he turned away from going to Sham, from going to Syria. So Abu Ubaidah asked him, are you turning away from the qadr of Allah, from the destiny, the decree of Allah? And Sayyidina Umar responded, I'm turning away from the qadr of Allah to the qadr of Allah. It didn't go any further than that. It didn't turn into a, a sparring match or back and forth. And Abu Ubaidah is coming from somewhere, Sayyidina Umar is coming from somewhere. But it never got past the point of, of compromising the morals, ethics, and character that, that love for each other for the sake of Allah remained. And that has to remain. And we ask Allah to make us from among those who preserve the, the, the soul of our tradition of loving each other for the sake of Allah. رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ Having that mercy between us. And that should not be compromised because of differences in fiqh. If anything, the, the differences in fiqh should be appreciated, should be a You know, you look at Islamic scholarship, it's like a beautiful canvas. Wow, it's amazing. This is where... Imam Malik, I'll conclude with this. Sorry, this is a fascinating topic. I'll conclude with this example. Some people may say, if someone is Maliki, why why would they pray with their hands at their side? There's a hadith in the muwatta of Imam Malik that clearly says, putting the right hand over the left. So, what was Imam Malik doing? What's amazing and what's beautiful is Imam Malik, he has about 20 hadith in his muwatta. And he put them there to show people, I already know what you're gonna say and I'm putting it here, I still differ with it. So you're not bringing me new evidence. I'm going to include it in my collection. It's here in my collection and to show you that I know that it exists. You're not bringing me new information, new data. It's there, I know it's there. And I'm putting it here myself, even then I still differ. This is the level of the precision of scholarship. So we should love each other and we should respect different valid differences. Alhamdulillah. Right and there should be that love and respect throughout We ask Allah to fill our hearts with that love and compassion and we ask Allah to help us to appreciate the diversity in our community and to see it as a good thing, not a bad thing.